Hello, this is Tom McSweeney, and you're very welcome to Maritime Ireland. The Maritime Ireland radio show is about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development, which are so important to this island nation, where the connection with the sea is as old as time itself, a fundamental part of Ireland socially and economically. Maritime Ireland is an audio journal of and about the marine sphere, bringing together an island people in the community of the sea. The future, we're told, will be very different to the past. The pandemic is given as a major reason, but there are other reasons. In the waters around our island nation, changes are taking place. As we've been reporting, new species of marine life are being seen off the Irish coastline as some traditional species move away. In our last edition, marine biologist Kevin Flannery from Dingle spoke strongly about the failure, as he saw it, of state agencies to develop new fisheries from the different species arriving in Irish waters their arrival possibly due to climate change. I'm still waiting for the state agencies he mentioned to give replies to my requests for comment. He mentioned species such as Mediterranean octopus arriving in southwestern waters and has sent me a video of an octopus now in the Dingle Aquarium in Kerry and which was found in a fishing pot by Vincent O'Regan in Skull in West Cork. We'll put the video up on our program's new website for you to see. That's TomXSweeneyMarine.ie or the Maritime Ireland Radio Show will find us. I'd be interested to hear your comments. A major change we will see is the development of offshore energy from wind and wave power. It's government policy and likely to have effects on coastal communities, marine tourism, fishing and shipping. Clashes of opinion can be expected and that's one of the topics on this edition. I meet interesting people on this programme and podcast and the man you'll hear now comes from a fishing family and has set up a company in which he's investing 10 million euros to stimulate communication about these developments because he says... If it doesn't happen properly, things will get fractious. My hope is that with communication it will live side by side with, with wind farms and, and we'll see great jobs for fishermen, potentially for some fishermen and sons of fishermen, daughters of fishermen in the future uh, also working on the sea but in the uh, energy sector. Because I think if it's done properly, it really is good for everyone. If it's done badly, it could be really fractious. That's Pierce Flynn, founder of the Green Rebel Marine Company. And also on this edition, and in these times of strict travel restrictions, we'll be suggesting a way in which for 20 minutes you can travel around the oceans while considering your relationship with the sea. 
the idea really was where you start in one place, you end in another, and it's taking you kind of around the globe, and it has this kind of journey quality to it if people listen to it as one piece, which I hope they will. The 57-year-old Pierce Flynn comes from the fishing village of Ballycotton on the East Cork coastline. From a fishing family, as a youngster, he was, of course, going fishing. But he moved on from that to become an expert in technology. A businessman amongst whose enterprises is the financial company Credit Fix, and he also owned a Scottish football club. His new company is Green Rebel Marine, based at Crosshaven Boatyard in Cork Harbour, which he bought, as well as buying a plane and a 27-metre seabed surveying vessel. And, of course, creating jobs in this big investment to provide a service to offshore wind farms, which he says is intended to communicate with the wider marine and fishing community as developments of offshore wind farms picks up pace. Ballycotton, where Pierce Flynn comes from, is renowned for the most famous rescue in Irish lifeboat history, that of the Don't Rock light vessel in 1936, when one of his family was a crew member on the village lifeboat. Having come from a fishing family, he says he fully appreciates the importance of the industry and how wind farms may impact on coastal communities. It was the tradition um on my mother's side, uh, uh, all fishermen, my, my grandfather was on the, the lifeboat, the famous Daunton Rock um, rescue. Uh, he was a fisherman, so it, it was kind of passed down, and I did, my, I did my, my summers from probably the age of 14 through to 18 on, on boats every summer. You know. Well, that gave you some good experience. Yeah, it's, 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 it's rough waters, I, I tell you. It, uh, it, was, it, was, it was hard work. I have huge admiration for... Uh, for fishermen to, to, to go out, uh, you know, and uh, every week it, it starts at zero and you have to build up uh, build up a wage from nothing, uh, you know. We got used to that lifestyle, you know, you either had lots of money in the house, maybe not so much money in the house if the fishing was, or the weather was bad, you know. Yes, indeed. I often wonder if the fishermen are properly understood and respected for the, uh, the amount of effort. It's a tough business. Uh, I remember any time I was out in a trawler, it was hanging on to one's stomach as well and wondering how the heck they could manage to catch and fill it and prepare for market at the same time. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, it, it's such a hard job, Tom. Uh, it, it's, it, you know, when I, I see my brother is um, in a skipper now on uh, uh, a trawler out of Ballycotton uh, belonging to John Tatton. He's got two of them and my brother's a skipper on one of them. And I, I, I'm, I'm lying in bed some nights and I'm hearing the wind and I'm going, oh my good God. These guys are out in that, and uh, it's it's a hard way to make a living. But it's in the blood. It's 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 in it's people's DNA. I, I think people need to understand that. I mean, you know, you'll understand it, but fishing is in people's DNA. It's interesting that your company now has got involved in what's a very major development, obviously, because wind energy is state is the state practice and the state determination uh, to provide energy. And you're anxious to liaise with the fishing industry to make sure there's proper discussion about the impacts, Piers. I, I am, because I, I think, um, 
you know, uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of consideration given to people about, you know, line of sight, particularly with the developments of the East Coast. But I, I think um, I, I'm concerned that, that that it's also important that the fishing community um, uh, is is well represented, and our job is to is to work with between the developers and and the, the fishermen so that there's understanding about what's going on. Um, and you know, to be open and honest, and you know, uh, uh, you know, transparent. I think it, we would work with people to, to make sure that that was actually happening. So I, I think, um, you know, that's going to be our major. That's going to be our major push. That is, in fact, very important, Pierce, because there's been a f- there's been a bit of a, a sense in the industry, and particularly, I suppose, amongst inshore men, that they're not listened to, and that their concerns aren't understood, and that. Uh, wind turbines and all of that would be placed on top of fishing areas. So it's it's a big area, a big important discursive area, isn't it? Uh, it, it is, uh, and it has to. And and you know, I think if if it's not, if it, there isn't clear communication, uh, I mean, one of the things that we're working on is is going to be a technology uh, where we're hoping to be able to get into the hands of of the fishermen. You know what's going on in their specific area, rather than being drowned out in a, a load of developments of what's going on uh, nationally. So we're going to try. We're, we'll be launching uh, something where the, the there can be a more open dialogue between people and and, and their considerations. But I, I I think you're you're, you're right. I mean, uh, fishermen are huge stakeholders here. I mean, um, you know, and they're major stakeholders, and they need to be engaged with and communicated with and uh, and kept informed. I would up to places like Wick in Scotland, which reminds me of where I come from, and they've been transformed by wind farms. And, you know, there's jobs for younger people, uh, and people love the sea. The sea is in people's blood, so I I really, my hope is that, you know, that it'll, it'll, we could communication, it'll live side by side with, with wind farms and, and we'll see great jobs for fishermen, potentially for some fishermen and sons of fishermen, daughters of fishermen in the future, uh, also working on the sea, but in the uh, energy sector. Yes, I think Scotland actually in its development and the way the whole marine section has been taken in there is a good example. You've linked up with the organisation uh, Fisheries Liaison Group. What's the background there? Fisheries Liaison has been extremely successful and, and it's working with nearly all the developers, bar one, I think, uh, in, the whole of, in the whole of Ireland. So it's beginning that process. Now, COVID hasn't, hasn't helped in terms of engagement, but we fully believe that it's a key part of our offering that we want to be able to bring is can bring the developers and the fishermen together for better transparency. Well, green is important and the Green Rebel Marine Company, that's your one. You obviously see this as very important for the future because government's policy is for wind energy offshore development. So it's important for the industry, the fishing industry, to get in there, get its view across, and this is the channel to do it. Uh, we, 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 we will be the channel to do it, and we hope to take the noise out of it in terms of, because I think that there's a lot of noise. We, we want to create something where, you know, the fishermen in a particular location in the East Coast don't want to hear about maybe possibly about a development on the, on, on the South Coast or the West Coast. But this thing is so live now that we want to be able to say to people, they're getting information about what's going on in their area uh, with regard to the development in their area, et cetera, et cetera. They get a chance to 
to to question, raise issues. So this two-way communication has to happen and and continuously. And I think we we want to learn from best practice that we've seen in some countries and and bring that to Ireland so that we can. Because I think if it's done properly, it really is good for everyone. If it's done badly, it could be really fractious. Pierce Flynn and his plans for the encounters likely in the development of offshore energy. Shipwrecks are fascinating. There are thousands around the world's oceans. Particularly interesting, however, from an Irish viewpoint, is the 300-year-old wreck discovered by Diving Club on the southern Norwegian coast. The Providence is an Irish vessel which ran aground and sank in November 1720 near Mandal, where it has been located by the local Diving Club. Their research has indicated that there were no casualties when the vessel was wrecked after a North Sea crossing. Norwegian state television NRK has shown pictures of the wreck and some artefacts have been recovered by the Norwegian Maritime Museum. There are of course hundreds of shipwrecks around the Irish coast. The Marine Times newspaper has the story of the Greyhound from Whitby near Scarborough on the North Yorkshire coast which sank on December 12, 1770, driven ashore on a voyage from England on Streda Beach in County Sligo, where shifting sands occasionally reveal the remains. It was once thought to be part of the Spanish Armada, but has now been identified by our National Monument Service as the Greyhound. 20 lives were lost in that tragedy. Now let's take that trip around the oceans I promised you earlier in the programme so that you can consider your relationship with the sea. 34-year-old Gregor McGuckin, the sailor from Dublin who tried to become the first Irish yachtsman to sail around the world alone non-stop in the Golden Globe race two years ago, is credited with being one of the inspirations for Dublin songwriter and musician Dan Fitzpatrick of Bad Hands to create a musical journey around five oceans, in one of which, the tough southern ocean, Gregor was dismastered during the race. But despite that damage, he set out to rescue an injured fellow competitor in storm conditions before he had to be rescued himself. And Gregor's got great international recognition and awards for his seamanship. Dan has a fascination with the sea and has composed soundtracks for film and television documentaries. His new composition has been supported by the Arts Council. Justin Marr has voyaged through it with him. Our seas and oceans have long been a source of inspiration for artists, poets and musicians. From Turner and Monet to Lennon and McCartney. Conservationist Rachel Carson once wrote that no one could write truthfully about the sea and leave out the poetry. The sound of it is just so hypnotic and so... I mean, I could just listen to it all the time, really. It's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating and, and I, I never get bored of it the sound of it or, or the, the sight of it. It's, it's just the movement. It has such life to it, I think. is Unlike other parts of nature, I think it just has this 
it has a very live quality to it. It's always moving. It's always doing something different. Award-winning Dublin songwriter and musician Dan Fitzpatrick, also known as Bad Hands, has recorded a powerful collection of songs drawing from his personal interpretation of each of the five oceans. It's something I genuinely miss. I used to live for a while in Germany, and any time I spend a protracted period in landlocked area, I, I genuinely like, like yearn, yearn for the sea, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's there in the blood, and I kind of associate it with family and stuff, especially with my dad who, who passed away a few years ago, and, you know, we scattered his ashes to the sea and stuff. So since he passed away, it kind of took on probably some extra significance but it's always been there for me I've always been sort of obsessed with it I would say and it, it has a otherworldly quality to it for me I, I get the similar sensation to staring up to space or something it's it has this really mysterious feel that I, I just find it never never uninteresting anytime you look at it it just seems a little bit different and there's just something very vast and kind of mystical about it and uh, yeah it never it never wears off the piece uses a mix of acoustic and electronic instruments to give a sense of the ocean's many moods from calm and serene to explosive and dangerous but how does someone go about translating the ocean's intricacies into musical form? For Dan, that presented the biggest challenge and led to some unorthodox approaches. I recorded a good bit of field recordings of the sea and then just used different instruments to try and capture some of those sounds. Initially when I started, I, I had sea sounds going over each piece, like actually quite a bit. And then gradually I paired that back and eventually just decided to cut all that and try to just solely use instrumentation the harmonium i don't know if you know that instrument but it's a little bit like the accordion maybe but it's kind of a warmer sounding thing and that became the staple instrument that goes right the way through and you move these bellows in and out and it has this real natural ebb and flow and i thought that was the perfect thing to capture the bass sound of the movement and then after that like i i'm i'm i'm, I'm no expert at all on each different ocean and I, and I was kind of learning as I went along and some of the different characteristics and so for example the Arctic and the, the Southern Oceans I was trying to really think of what I could do to capture the icy feel you know of the North and the South Poles and then I have this old instrument called a zither which is it's actually about 110 years old it's like a 39 string Eastern instrument and I basically took a screwdriver and just used it like a kind of a hammer, just hammering off the strings to get this kind of vibrating sound. And that was that was probably the thing I was most happy with. It sounded just sharp and icy, like it's it's the closest thing I, c I can imagine to something sounding like ice. So that was something I was really happy with. The Oceans EP, made with the support of the Arts Council, looks to capture the pulse of the ocean and its many moods, from calm and serene to explosive and dangerous. But it also wants to take you on a journey from one pole to another, across the oceans along the way. 
the real thing I wanted was it to be listened to as one piece and it, it, it's hard these days I think people do tend to listen to things in more kind of bite-sized chunks in a slightly more disposable way but this was really something where I wanted it to be released as just one 21 minute piece where you, each piece makes so much more sense as the whole as opposed to individually and yeah the idea really was where you start in one place you end in another and the fact that it you know it's it's taking you kind of around the globe and you know you start right in the north and you end up right in the south and it has this kind of journey quality to it if people listen to it as one piece which i hope they will I think a great way to enjoy it would be to actually listen to it and if you're able to go and sort of walk alongside the sea or something like that I think that would be a nice way to enjoy it and it maybe makes most sense that way just for people to get that sense of going on a journey and especially at a time like this when nobody can go really anywhere I hope that people would get that feeling off it. It has a very different quality to other aspects of nature. I think there's something very mysterious about it and something we, we think now of this planet as something that we've obviously fairly successfully put our stamp on and as humans we've pretty much colonized the whole planet. But yet so much of the ocean now is still unexplored and I think it does still have this really otherworldly sense to it there is this feeling of you know i've really no idea what's going on out there and i it makes me feel at times like a little bit insignificant and i mean that in a good way oceans is available for free from the Bad Hands Bandcamp page, badhands.bandcamp.com, or you can stream it on SoundCloud. Dan Fitzpatrick of Bad Hands and his EP, a personal interpretation of Five Oceans is wonderful. Now to the west of Ireland and the lovely Long Walk in Galway. Headquarters are located there of Water Safety Ireland, the national agency of which John Leach is chief executive, who reports for us regularly. First of all, John, let's hear about a man who is undertaking a huge project, which we told listeners about in a previous programme. Where is the Finman now? Well, Tom, Henry O'Donnell, alias the Finman, has progressed almost as far as Dungarvan. Our water safety ambassador and fundraiser is now at the midway point of his circumnavigation attempt of our island nation. He is also helping to raise funds for the Irish Cancer Society and ourselves. He wants to help us to help others to prevent drownings. So please donate on his website at finswim2020.ie where you can also follow his progress as he aims to be the first person in the world to circumnavigate a country by fin swimming. We wish him continued success when the COVID-19 restrictions are lifted. The first quarter of the year normally brings with it some of the worst fishing vessel tragedies of the year. Thankfully, our fishermen have enjoyed settled weather for a greater part of January. 
but they know that it will break in our temperate climate and that is it is important that they are prepared for it. I would like to see all our fishermen use a risk-based approach throughout the year and that their families support them in their endeavours. And this will help reduce these awful tragedies that our coastal communities have endured over the years. This time last year we all learned of the tragic news that the fishing vessel Elise from Kilmore Quay had disappeared approximately nine nautical miles south of Hook Head with Joe Sinnott and Willie Whelan on board. But I also remembered the crews of the Pear Charles, the Honeydew 2, the Maggie B, the Rising Sun, who also perished in the waters nearby. All around our coast we have sacrificed so many lives to the fishing industry, with several memorials dotted around our coastline to commemorate these brave fishermen, to whom we all owe a great depth of gratitude, for keeping our fishmongers supplied with fresh fish, and for keeping our fish processors in business. The Marine Casualty Investigation Board has completed many investigations on the various sinkings and fires on our fishing fleet since 2003. And in summary, their recommendations are as follows. The need for an enhanced maritime safety culture, unsuitable or inadequately maintained safety equipment on board or lack thereof, lack of crew training, failure to plan journeys, including failure to take sea and weather conditions into account, non-wearing a personal flotation device, that's your life jacket or your buoyancy aid, a vessel being unseaworthy, unstable and or overloaded, inadequate enforcement of regulations, impairment due to fatigue or the influence of alcohol and or drugs, inadequate crewing levels and solo operation, unsuitable clothing being worn on board. So please make it your New Year's resolution to stay safe afloat this year. Be careful out there. Take cognizance of the safety points I have endorsed and ensure that your vessel complies with all the requirements of the Marine Surveyor's Office. Keep safety to the forefront of your mind. Always wear a life jacket. Keep an eye on the weather with the Irish Lights Met Ocean Boys that update the weather for you every 15 minutes. Always check the weather forecast and the conditions at those boys before you go to sea. They are based at the Fastnet Lighthouse, the Kishbank Lighthouse, the boys at Ballybunion, Cunning Beg, Dublin Bay, Finnis, Foyle, Splaw, South Hunter and the South Rock. Follow them on Twitter for the most accessible results but they are also on their website at irishlights.ie. So, until next month, enjoy your aquatic pursuits, our sports, and always wear a life jacket on or near the water, and use your influence to further reduce the number of drownings on our island nation to improve our nation's safety culture. The important message of safety on the water always coming from John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland. Finally, who would have thought in years past that whales would be seen in Irish waters as regular visitors, even residents perhaps, with a regular seasonal schedule? The Irish Whale and Dolphin Group tells me it now has a photographic identity catalogue of all Irish humpback whales, 109 of them, with more being added every year. And huge numbers of dolphins were seen in their hundreds in January all around the coastline. One group of 150 was noted at Arthurstown in County Waterford and there were 100 at one stage in Ruscarbury Bay in West Cork. And so we end this edition of the Maritime Ireland radio show broadcast on community stations around Ireland. Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. 
Cork on CRY 104FM Yall from where the programme originates on the east coast of County Cork and also in Cork on UCC Radio, Bear Island Radio and West Cork FM. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. On Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, Kilkenny City Radio, Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Belmullet. On Southwest Clare Radio, Radio Cork of Boschkeen, West Limerick 102 FM and Tip Midwest Radio in Tipperary. Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Spotify and the marinetimes.ie. The programme website address is tomaxweeneymarine.ie or look up Maritime Ireland Radio Show. Our email address is maritimeirelandradioshow at gmail.com. That's maritimeirelandradioshow at gmail.com. And our phone and text number is 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. We'd love to hear from you. Sound supervision on the programme by Justin Maher. Until our next programme, the usual wish of fair sailing. <laughs>